0: Righteous who are the saints, they are sinners, like you and me, who have been brought by the Spirit of God to know our sin and our need for Christ, and to throw ourselves in faith upon the mercy of God, and be counted as righteous in his sight. Through the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us, and then also are being transformed by the Spirit of God to become more like our righteous God. It's a great gift to be righteous through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We're going to read uh, Psalms 10 or 11, 11 and 12, I'm sorry, 11 and 12. And before we do, uh, I'd like to lead us in prayer for God's blessing on our hearing of his word. Our Father, we thank you for the testimony of your wayward and sinful servant, King David, to the amazing grace by which you forgave his sins, his many sins, his serious sins. Not for his sake, but for the sake of Christ, your Son, his descendant, who is yet to come into the world. But he has come. And we thank you for the gospel proclamation that the Messiah has come, that he has done his saving work, that he is exalted to your right hand, and that you and your son Jesus now pour out the Holy Spirit on those you are calling to yourself. And so, Lord, we pray for the ministry of that spirit in us now as we read your word. May we, may we hear the voice of you, our God, of Jesus Christ, our great prophet, speaking to us out of the word. Uh, please uh, direct and uh, constrain uh, myself to say only what is in agreement with your word, and that it might be blessed for all of us who hear, and blessed that we might give glory to you in how we respond. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 10 and 11 bring us to the very beginning of the Psalter. I keep saying 10. I mean 11 and 12. I do know what I'm intending to read. So I trust you're all aware, maybe not the youngest among you, but I trust you're all aware of some of what's going on in the world around us. And if you're old like me, you may remember better days in many ways. And you hear today, uh, as society just seems to be fragmenting into uh, hateful, uh, clashing groups, uh, as wickedness and morality is rewarded and righteousness is increasingly scorned and even persecuted. You, you hear people say, well, all is lost. All is lost. The wicked are winning the great spiritual war. Just find a hole. Keep your head down. Be safe. Now, these are the counsels which you hear from Christian people. These are the counsels of Despair. And to answer those counsels of despair, which are voiced in Psalms 11 and 12, Psalms 11 and 12 come to us, pointing to God's sovereign rule and triumph, sure and certain triumph, and the absolute certainty and truth of God's word. So I'm going to read uh, not only Psalms 11 and 12, but also a small portion of Second Corinthians Chapter 5, but hear the word of God from Psalm 11 and Psalm 12. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall shall behold his face. In Psalm 12, Save, O Lord, for the godly is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. Words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked as vileness is exalted among the children of men. And then a few verses from Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 6 and following. We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Psalms 11 and 12 are attributed to David, it's impossible to peg them to any certain time in his career. Uh, And so it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit guided him uh, to make these declarations and to pray these prayers uh, for our enlightenment. And so we're going to uh, consider what these Psalms have to say to us in under three heads. First, looking at the counsels of despair in Psalms eleven and twelve, which we might call walking by sight, Second Corinthians five, seven. Walking by sight. Secondly, reality, God's rule and God's truth, also proclaimed in Psalms 11 and 12. And we can call this point walking by faith. And the third point, continuing walking by faith, well then, what should we do? So, counsels of despair in these two Psalms. We see how things looked to David's advisors in Psalm 11. Verses 1 through 3. In the first verse, David declares his confidence in the Lord. In the Lord I take refuge. And he expresses a degree of shock or amazement at uh, the counsel that is coming to him, uh, probably from companions. And they're saying, just run away and hide. There's no use standing and fighting, holding your ground. Uh, And your enemies are intent on killing you and maybe they're saying they outnumber you uh, and, and so just go hide go hide now they build this council on a false premise the false premise is stated in verse 3 if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do Well, part of that premise is true. What can the righteous do? Uh, We can't do anything apart from the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. But are the foundations being destroyed? We'll come back to that. Psalm 12, uh, it's David himself who expresses uh, dismay, despair over... Situation that he sees before him. And again, he's seeing things as they appear to be. He's, to him, it appears that uh, Israelite society is bereft of any godly people, Uh, the godly one is gone. Faithful ones have vanished from among the children of man. Sounds a little like Elijah, doesn't it? Uh, after the great confrontation on Mount Carmel, when God set fire from heaven on Elijah's altar, and not the altar of Baal, and the people of God cried out, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What a wonderful thing. And then Elijah ran back to the summer palace of, of uh uh, Ahab and Jezebiah, Je- Je- Jezebel the queen, and uh Jezebel vows if, if i don't have that man if i don't have that man killed by tomorrow, may the gods do terrible things to me and and, and he 's just undone by that. Uh, he thought the victory had been won, and uh, there she is making this proclamation, nobody's stopping her nobody's and, and he runs he runs for his life, and as he flees. Uh, from her presence uh, he twice says to the Lord just, just let me die Lord it's all up uh, I have failed I'm the only one left that's how it seemed to him but he wasn't the only one left because God said to him there's still 7,000 who have never bowed their knees to Baal so again looking at the appearance of things, and that can sometimes, it can sometimes seem that way to us. That uh, wicked people have taken over the nations of the earth, as if they didn't have control of them already. Wicked people are taking over uh, nations that once uh, had a strong Christian influence perhaps, and are just tearing things down. And what can we do? Uh, Where are the righteous who stand up bravely to proclaim the name of the Lord and live according to his commands? Uh, They seem to be disappearing from our society. And so what can we do? What can we do? Uh, Here's this is a situation, isn't it? Uh, Psalm 12. Everyone utters lies. Well, we might we might say, well, maybe not everyone. But lies abound. Who can tell truth from lie anymore? And what's done about it if somebody is exposed as lying? Who believes that? Everyone lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and double hearts. So you're a wonderful guy. Let's see how I can cheat you. Uh, That kind of hypocritical speaking. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. The tongue that makes great boasts; those who say, "With our tongue we will prevail," with our lips, uh, who our lips are with us. Who is master over us? That is, I can say anything I want that'll advance my cause, that'll get me what I want, that'll help me to reach my goal, and that may be a political leader, a political party, a businessman, uh, just an ordinary guy uh, who's not going to let anybody stand in the way of what he wants to accomplish in life. My lips are mine. Nobody can tell me what to say. Not even God. And that is the attitude today, isn't it? Uh, Confront that attitude with God's truth, and you're judging. And this is where we are. It can be very discouraging, it can be very intimidating to the people of God. We can be tempted to keep our heads down, to back off, to say nothing, to be safe, to let those people, whoever they are, to let those people have their way while we pray in quiet, in private, oh God, save. here in the United States uh, being a faithful Christian uh, not a sinless Christian but a Christian believer who does truly want to serve and obey the Lord according to his word that may lose you some friends it may in some places of employment lose you promotions because you're not really with the culture of the company Uh, It may get you canceled if you're a public person who says the wrong thing. <clears throat> in China, we have a Chinese congregation here. I'm sure they have connections in China itself. And in our congregation, we have connections with some people in China. And, uh, you know, there you lose social points if you don't toe the party line and it's discovered. And if you lose enough social points or step out of line too far, well, Uh, You only get the poorest jobs. You don't get into a university or your children won't. And maybe you'll even end up in an education camp or worse. Uh, A re-education camp or worse. So that's the world we live in. But that's seeing by sight. It's walking by sight. To see only the appearance of things and decide how to behave ourselves, how to direct our lives just on appearances. We need reality. And you're not seeing reality if you don't see the fact that the God who created the heavens and the earth is still God, that he is still reigning over all the works of his hand, that our hope is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, and nothing is too hard for him. And so in Psalm 11, David makes clear to his advisors the foundations have not been destroyed. Why? Why have they not been destroyed? Because the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It is unchallenged, unthreatened by anything anybody here on earth may say or do. And from that throne, God looks down from that throne the Lord looks down his eyes see his eyelids test the children of men he sits as judge over the nations and the peoples over the nations today and the peoples today even over our nation and its population these verses or this verse in Psalm 11 calls to mind The words of Psalm 2, which open by asking the question, and I think again with a sort of tone of amazement why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. This may have been a coronation hymn or a throne hymn for King David, uh, because he's the author. Uh, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bands apart, let us cast their cords from us. And what is God's response? Oh, what am I going to do? How will I help my poor people down there? God's response is, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill, and so on. God laughs at the presumptions of arrogant unbelievers. It's not because it's funny. The presumptions are funny. It's because of the absurdity of man's rebellion against God. As if you're walking down the sidewalk and a little ant down there says in a squeaky little voice, Don't you step on me. Don't you, you can't step on me. I won't let you step on me. Squish. It's absurd. It's an absurdity that people shake their fists against heaven and have no fear of God before their eyes. The Lord. Tests and judges people. He sees, he knows, he tests. And the psalm uses strong language. His soul hates the one who loves violence. If that person will not repent, what will be his destiny? Fiery judgment from God. Take God's justice, take God's holy wrath seriously, or delude yourself into hell. Those are the choices. The Lord also tests the righteous. The very things that David is experiencing that are troubling him, these are tests from God. They come to all of us. He tests the righteous To refine, to purify, to strengthen faith in him. The righteous Lord, David declares, loves righteousnesses, which the ESV translates, loves righteous deeds. And if he loves righteous deeds, then he loves righteous people. But who did we say the righteous are in God's eyes? Not the sinless. It's only one Righteous man that way, and that is Jesus Christ, his Son, who never sinned, pure to the very central core of his being and in all of his thoughts and words and actions. But the righteous in God's sight are those who know that in themselves we are not righteous. But we look to him. We look to him for his grace and mercy in Christ. We give thanks to him for the obedience of Christ, to all the law of God that we have broken on our behalf. We look to Christ who bore the curse of God on all the sins that we have committed. He bore that curse on our behalf. And he sends the Holy Spirit to work in us, to bring us to life, out of darkness, into his marvelous light, to make us his holy nation, his royal priesthood, people for his own possession, to devote our lives to praising him and worshiping him and serving him. These are the righteous. And concerning them, the promise of the word of God is, the upright shall behold his face. We see the face of God in the face of Jesus Christ as we read the scriptures The understanding of our hearts is enlarged to see by faith in Jesus Christ, a true God as well as true man, and see the character of God and the saving love and mercy of God, and the beauty, the beauty of the holiness and righteousness of God, and the beauty of becoming more like Him. In that we shall see his face fully though. Not as through a glass dimly, which is our experience now. But when you are taken out of this life, or if Jesus comes first from heaven, we'll see the glory of our Savior face to face. And John says in John 3, 2 We will be transformed instantly into the likeness of our Savior when we see him in this way. These are promises from God. Promises that can sustain you through trials that are testing you in order to sanctify you. But can we trust these promises? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. And Psalm 11 helps or Psalm 12 helps us. We have a wonderful contrast in this psalm between the lies and the flattery of the wicked. Uh, their boastful declarations that they can say whatever they want. It doesn't matter if they lie so long as they get their way. The contrast between that and the Word of God, the Word of God's promise, verse 8. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver, refined in a furnace, on the ground, purified seven times. There's a little, little technology to talk about there. Uh, I don't think that's the way silver is refined today, on the, in, a, in a furnace on the ground. Uh, but uh, then uh, the silversmith uh, made a fire and uh, probably had an iron pot that he put on the fire and then he put the ore that contained Uh, silver in it into that pot and he heated the pot and heated the pot and heated the pot until it actually begins to bubble and boil. Uh, My wife and I, our family, we lived near a steel foundry once and at night we could walk down and through the big doors we could watch them pour uh, the slag off the molten steel. Uh, Fantastic. But that's what the smelter does. He gets that whole thing boiling and the impurities in the ore come to the surface. He pours them off. And then if he wants the silver to be more pure, he'll start the process all over again uh, and get it boiling, watch the impurities come up, pour them off. And uh, the Word of God, uh, David says, is like that smelter Boiling off any impurities seven times. There is no impurity left. The word of God is pure, 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 through and through, pure. Now the word of God relates things that are false. It reports the false words and actions of people. But in all that it says, it comes to us as the word of the God who cannot lie. And we may rely on his word. What is the greatest test of the purity of God's word, of God's promises? To keep his promises. He gave his son for our salvation. That's how far God goes to keep his pure and spotless promises to his people. Do you see the wicked strutting about and seeming to get away with it? Oh, yes. Do people praise and reward what is vile? That's the last verse of Psalm 11, or Psalm 12. Do people praise and reward what is vile in God's sight? Oh, yes, they do. You can become very rich screaming lies into a microphone as a singer today. You can win office and have a lot of power by living by lies. But Christian, don't be intimidated. Trust God's word. The lies of the liars will perish because they will perish under God's judgment. Trust God's word. Unless the liars and the flatterers, the haters of God and the haters of his people repent. They are doomed. And we are promised a glorious future in the presence of our God. So what should we do? Walk by faith. Live by faith. Live by faith in the word of God. And we should not run away and hide. Now, asterisk to that. Uh, Our Lord Jesus in Matthew 10, the same chapter where he said to his disciples, I send you as sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He also said, if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next, so that the word of the Lord may be proclaimed through all of Israel. Uh, like David retreating from Absalom's army, our Lord is envisioning, I think, a tactical retreat, not a surrender. A tactical retreat to continue the fight, as David abandoned Jerusalem, crossed the River Jordan to gather his forces, and then engaged the battle, which God, to which God, gave him the victory. Uh, and, and churches today do engage in tactical retreat, you know, house churches that meet in secret in uh, Saudi Arabia. There are Christians in Saudi Arabia who uh, very carefully, very carefully, meet in secret and and whisper their praise of Jesus in worship and whisper His words to each other. The same has been true in China and may be becoming true again now. As is a sort of a return of a kind of velvet-gloved Maoism. Uh, This is true. But the reason for going underground is not to give up, but to continue the fight wise as serpents. But we're not in that position. None of us needs to go underground. We should be preaching Christ and preaching Christ boldly. We should be willing to confront evil and lies with God's truth clearly declared. But also, but also with grace and humility and love because we care about those who believe lies and who if they continue believing the lies will find themselves in hell someday. And so we We love those who do not love us. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We're not being persecuted in any significant or terribly meaningful way. We have great liberty in this country, greater than almost any other place on earth. And I think we need to pray that the Lord will give us grace to use these opportunities in a very bold way. Uh, to call people to Christ, to call people to repent, to call them out of their darkness into his marvelous light. What can the righteous do? Nothing. Not in our strength, not in our wisdom. But God is not limited. He conquers by his word and spirit or you would not be a believer in Christ. You would still be lost. I would still be lost. He conquers by his word and spirit. With God, all things are possible, our Lord declared. And he also said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand it. Matthew 16. Let us pray. Our Father, we know and confess to you that we, in ourselves, are very weak. That we are inclined to timidity and fear in the face of aggressive and arrogant unbelief. And sometimes even just in the face of nice people uh, who we fear might not like us anymore if we're visible in the way that we live and serve you. We pray, O Lord, you would help us to fix our eyes not on those who are drawing the bow to slay the righteous, not on those who are promoting their cause with flattery and lies and dishonesty, but fix our eyes on you, to lift up our eyes, to see you enthroned in heaven, unassailable, above all the foolishness of men. We pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would sanctify us through your word now, that you would sanctify us by tests and trials that you send. that you would help us, Lord, to live by faith and not by sight and fear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.